<laughs> hey, good girls. Welcome to Between the Sheets, a podcast about books, sex, relationships, and occasionally our messy personal lives. I'm your host, Kels. And I'm your host, Denise. So grab a drink and get in bed, you dirty little sluts. Welcome back, everyone. Hi, Denise. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? <laughs> okay, so I just got back from New York to visit Denise. And what did we do all weekend? I'm having withdrawal from you because we spent the entire weekend playing Overcooked. And for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's basically a PS4, PS5 cooking game. And it's couch co-op and you basically cook meals together. And instead of doing the real thing, uh, that's what we spent our time doing. We spent three days in front of a screen. (laughs) We really wanted to take a break and this is how we spent our break. But it was so anxiety inducing, but also relaxing at the same time. I don't understand. It was very, very fun. And I think we spent like a good 30 hours (laughs) during the visit playing it. What I found really funny was the guilt we felt the first day. And then by the second day, it was first thing in the morning and you were putting the controllers in my hands while I had coffee in the other. It was like coffee overcooked, go. And then I tried to play with my husband and he's like, this is giving me PTSD from working in the kitchen. I never worked in the kitchen. I always worked retail. So if you worked in a kitchen, it might not be the game for you. Yeah, literally. Anything else that we got up that was fun for you when you came to visit? We went to Comedy Cellar, which was fucking hilarious. There was one guy that just stood out. I've been thinking about his set all week, and that's what I strive to be as a comedian because he was just yelling at you, but his set was also so memorable that it has just kind of stuck with me. Did you have a favorite of the night? That was the guy I liked as well. We would have to find his name, but I won't be able to look it up now because I'm lazy. He was really funny. I really liked his jokes. The Chihuahua joke really stuck with me. I feel like if you're coming to visit to New York and you know you're going to go in advance, be sure to book the Comedy Cellar way, way ahead because it's an experience you don't want to miss. Yeah, and we were like right up front. We Yeah, were we were getting, getting spit on us. Yes, and that's how you have to do comedy because that's like, yeah. it feels like you're getting a private show just for you, so... Um, That was really fun. And then we went ice skating. Well, (laughs) not even ice skating, guys. Being from New Hampshire, I have been ice skating on lakes and stuff, and it's really cool. And Denise was like, I'm going to take you ice skating. So, and it's going to be a unique experience. We're going to go ice skating on the 100th floor or whatever. Yep. And we get there. There's no ice, guys. Let's just clarify, okay, let's just set up the experience. We go to the edge, which is like an overlook at the mock Avengers Tower in the city. It's brand new. It is 100 floors off the ground. It is very, very tall. The views are very, very sick. And I was like, great, yesterday they opened an ice rink there, but Kels, I think it might be plastic. And she doesn't believe me at all. She doesn't understand how it can be plastic. And I live in the Mediterranean. I know what it's like to skate on plastic because you can't keep ice there in open places. And Kels does not believe me. I we're trying to get dressed I'm like what should I wear Kelsey's like put on a short jacket you don't want to wear something like you can't ice skate with I was like put gloves we need beanies we need all this stuff we get to the edge the rink is probably the size of I don't know a basketball court maybe even smaller way smaller and it's not ice it's called glide what something glice it's glice and it is and it's not called ice skating it's called sky skate Skyscape. And these should have all been signals to me, but I was like, we're ice skating at a hundred floor building. No, we were plastic skating, which was honestly great experience. The views were great. We went on a 
clear day. It was a great time. And then the food. I mean, we ate so much food. We did. We ate everything. That's probably the one thing about visiting me is I will take you to eat everywhere. Like, I have space, but you have food. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Perfect. If you guys haven't already checked out our debut novel, Water Under the Bridge, which is a steamy workplace rom-com, it is free on Kindle Unlimited, so be sure to check that out. And we have Our Scorching Summer, which is our second novel coming out on May 3rd, so make sure to pre-order that on Amazon. The links are in our bio. It is very spicy, very steamy, and you're definitely going to read this Friends with Benefits romance coming soon. Like you should be. So for (laughs) today's episode, talk about how we met our significant others. Yeah, how we trick them to fall in love with us. How long have you been with your partner? Officially, I've been with him for 11 years. Okay. I've been with my partner for about seven and a half. So the seven-year itch, you guys got past it. Congratulations. We got past it. The three, the five, the seven. (laughs) We survived. So did you. I know, right? And so we are about to come up on our fourth year marriage anniversary, but we've been together pretty much since I was 18, but I met him when I was 14. So long time. Talk about this pretty frequently, but let's just give the listeners a quick recap. What tropes is your relationship? Our tropes are best friend's brother, second chance romance, and what I guess you? I will give you small town romance. As well. Oh yeah, small town. I never consider a small town because when yeah. you're in small town, you're not like, I'm having a small town romance, <laughs> yeah, but exactly. I guess like- You're like, up. we're in town and we're falling in love. <laughs> I mean, we did an episode last season where I told you guys I had sex in a bar and like, that's small town romance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ours is insta-love, <laughs> angst. <laughs> And I, I feel like using the it's always been you trope is like for second chance, but I feel like ours not second chance wise is like it's always been you. I would also say an age gap, right? Yeah, that's true. Age gap as well, because we're we have seven years. We've that's, officially been together as long as our age gap has existed. That's pretty cool. I guess. The other day I was literally talking to my husband and I was like, we've been together half my life. Oh, that freaks me out, man. That gives me such commitment issues. I just like need to break up just for the sake of that not being true. (laughs) Like I've lived with you longer than I've lived with my parents. So, you know. Literally. That's freaky. It's so freaky. And before we get started about telling each other how we met our partners, I feel like for mine, I just want to preface the fact that since we got together so young, we didn't have anybody to look up to for relationships. And so our relationship was really toxic in the beginning because we didn't know, we were kind of figuring out how to be in a relationship. And when you only have people around you who are in unhealthy relationships and you're taking those dynamics, it really takes you a while to figure out how to be in a relationship a healthy relationship with someone. I agree. I feel like ours was the same as well, despite the fact that my partner's parents are married. I don't want to speak on that marriage too much, but my mom, for example, was remarried four times. And it's just like the things that you learn at home are the things that you will bring to the most vulnerable part of you, which is your relationship. The important part of our relationship is how much we have allowed ourselves to grow into a healthy relationship and kind of work through our codependency and our toxic habits to be in a healthy relationship. I think I can confidently say I'm in a healthy relationship today and that 10 years ago was just not the case. (laughs) Yeah, when I was younger, a lot of people would always say, don't be in a relationship until you're 100% perfect and 100% healthy and 100% ready for it. And I still partially stand by advice. Like I do feel like everyone should be independent before starting up something that's a long-term commitment. But however, if you're not, like you can still be a very successful person and become independent 
in a relationship. I agree. And I think that working to become independent while you're in a relationship is really difficult. But Mm -hmm. I can kind of talk about the things that I did that I think kind of helped. But let's go in. You have the modern day love story of... A Tinder swipe. (laughs) (laughs) A very fun Tinder swipe story. Not really. I had moved back to the States and I was here for about three months and I was on Tinder. I really wanted to like meet anybody because I knew nobody here despite living in New York when I was a kid for quite a few years, but I didn't know anyone and I was like, great, like let's start dating. Let's start meeting people. And my partner is actually my first Tinder date. (laughs) And (laughs) when I initially saw his photos, I, I'm sorry, love, I know you're listening. When I initially saw his photos, I swiped left, but then I had the premium feature of being able to go back. So I went back because I really liked his name. When a man has a photo of himself on a rock, I will never let him live this down. The man's was on a rock. <laughs> like in the middle of the ocean? Like what yeah, kind of rock? Like like he wore jeans and like a black something, like a black sweater or t-shirt. And he was just like doing like a pop squat. <laughs> on a rock. Uh, I'm sure it was a jetty, Mm -hmm. but it was weird. And then he had a photo of him dancing with a woman who is his cousin. But, like, you don't know that when you're seeing someone's dating profile. So I was just like, why is there a photo of him dancing with another woman? I was already getting territorial. (laughs) I was already (laughs) no longer happy with it. You're like, you're giving me the ick, but your name is cool and you're hot. So I'll go with you. You're the rock person. Literally. And I mean, it worked out. Hey, seven years later. So when you guys first started talking, how many messages do you think you guys exchanged before you met up? A lot. I did not want anything serious without it being serious. That's a terrible way to put it. I didn't want like the aspect of game playing to be part of my life. I had just left my first ever serious relationship uh, back in Cyprus. And I started, I was like, what is your five-year plan? Do you want children? Do you want to get married? Like, I feel like this is the questions everyone should go in with. I've had a lot of friends who were doing online dating who were just like in these lackluster situationships, never really getting what they wanted. And I just simply could never understand why they could never communicate what they want up front. And they're so afraid of like losing the guy at first, but who cares? That's not the guy for you. There are so many fish, especially in New York City. There's so many fish here and it's like weed them out quickly let's go ask the questions and if they feel uncomfortable answering it that's not the person you want to be with it's just not especially when a lot of women who are looking for that right now who are like in their maybe late 20s early 30s and really want that it's just like why subject yourself to things that you would have been okay with in your early 20s when that's not what you want to do so i asked all the hard-hitting questions for like a week and then we met up and you were like 19 so (laughs) yeah i was this is the important part You're like, do you want kids? I had to know because I'm very hardcore with my commitment. Yeah. And it's how very you're, hard to leave me. <laughs> have your answers changed since you guys have been together? I would say yes, definitely. The timeline was different than what I thought my timeline was going to be. And I think for the best. I also don't know in terms of family planning, if that's something we're even thinking about for the next five years from now. I was really happy with the answers he gave me because he gave them to me. And that felt good. That meant like I was with someone who could consider five years into the future, who could consider 10 years into the future and feel like not uncomfortable by it. I feel like so many times I've spoken to men and you ask them questions about commitment and they just kind of panic and flake. And I was just really attracted to the fact that like my partner was not panicking or flaking about commitment at all. That's good. Yeah. And I, I mean, I like your partner. Thank He's you. pretty cool. So. He's nice. 
They're, like, the same person, so she likes him only because he's like her. Yeah, we're very <laughs> similar, laid back, chill. And yeah. then once I met him, I was like, oh, so you're dating the male version of me. <laughs> yeah, literally. I literally am. But you met your partner when you were a teensy-weensy baby, but you don't have to start there. You can start with the highlights of when your relationship truly started to form rather than the back and forth in between. Yeah, because in high school, we... We're, we're stupid. Like, I don't think anybody should have been in a relationship with us. We were, like, talking to a whole bunch of people, which I think you should do in high school. Everybody was like, don't marry someone from your high school. But being from a small town, I feel like you trauma bond with people a lot because you all, unlike New York, we had, like, five guys to choose from. Yeah. I'd already dated all of them and hated them. <laughs> so <laughs> He graduated, like, two years before me. And so I was kind of in this period where I was dating guys, but not really like I had one other serious boyfriend that I dated for like a year and a half and I only dated him because he was my brother's best friend and my parents liked him and he like I got to go on car rides because he had a car and nice. so when the important my, things when you're a teenager <laughs> when you're 14 and you're like I someone has a car so then my husband had graduated and I had graduated. I was really good friends with his brother. And so at our graduation, I was like hanging out with them and talking to them. And we started talking again. And then I moved in with him because I had nowhere else to go. So I just showed up at his house. Forced which was, proximity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was like, you have a house I and an extra room. I'm going to pay rent here, which hindsight probably wasn't the best thing, but it worked out long term. So if you want to bag a man, just move in with him. Literally, though, <laughs> but that was my advice as well. Like I had started like pretty much spending most of my evenings at my partner's apartment within like the three months of knowing him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to get a little toxic and unhealthy move in immediately <laughs> yeah and that was not good for us we were arguing Same. all the time and so then I got a job and then I moved in with someone off of Craigslist because I was like you know if this relationship is ever gonna work I need to go have some bad roommate experiences so I can kind of ground myself so I moved in with this person off Craigslist and then he was like staying the night over at my house every night and I was like are you scared that I'm going to get murdered by this Craigslist person they were fine they were not my cup of tea I barely talked to them and then they moved out after nine months and then he moved in and again it was like fine I didn't have a lot of friends at that time because I was committing all myself to like school and work and him and so it was nice to get kind of older and get more money I mean not tons of money but like have a job where I could pay the rent by myself he moved out and I got to live by myself for a year that's and I feel nice. like that's something like I never got to experience and sometimes I get really panicked about it and I'm like, I don't think I will get to experience that if me and my partner like continue going the way we do and get married and continue living together. Yeah, but you're in New York too. Can anybody afford to live by themselves? That's true too. Not really. Not unless you have like a really nice high paying job or a small apartment. Yeah, because when I first got my place, I paid $600 in rent. And yeah, that, that's so fancy. That's for like a one my bedroom. electric bill in the summer. <laughs> I know, literally. It was like a one bedroom. It was like not in the best part of the town. Like my neighbor got shot and killed. I had to go to a court case. So, you know, like it wasn't the but safest. But it was your home. But it was my home. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a really good growth time. I started making more friends and like hanging out with people and having an identity outside of my relationship, which I think was really important. And then we still just didn't know how to communicate with each other. So I don't really feel like we got officially healthy until like 2016 when we actually started having like serious conversations about 
hey, I don't like when you do this because mm-hmm. I was on the spectrum of being like, oh my God, if I say something wrong, he's going to leave, which was a, a codependency thing that I needed to kind of work through and get over because like you said, you don't want to be with someone your entire life and not be able to communicate with them and tell them what you want because it's not going to end well for either of you. I really like that you had the introspection to kind of step away from the relationship and I feel like my relationship only really started getting better when I stepped away from it and when you're in a long-term relationship it's so easy to get enmeshed with each other you don't even realize it because you get these ideas of the fact that this person is the center of your universe not that you are the center of your universe and this Mm -hmm. person is making your universe a better place and I feel like that's how you kind of have to look at love and that's how I look at love now is that like everything I do is my priority and then everything else is kind of for the relationship and for us to be happy together I didn't know that when I was much younger I thought I have to prioritize my partner we have to spend every single minute together or we'll break up which is ridiculous but that's like what I thought was the truth and it wasn't until I started stepping away from my relationship and would just purposely seek out time away from my partner that I started to I don't know fall fall even more and differently and deeply in love with him ugh cringe then (laughs) gross (laughs) gross (laughs) then than I did uh, when we first started dating. I can relate to that because then when you go out and you have your own experiences, you have something to bring back to the relationship. And the first three years we were together and we had to do every single thing together, of course, you're going to fight all the time. Yeah, absolutely. You're with each other all the time and then you don't know how to communicate. You're getting mad over stupid things. We both had intense jealousy issues over the fact that I was no relationships with other girls you know type of thing and that is just so toxic I, how are you going to stop talking to half the population <laughs> you you just stop you just stop that's what i expected <laughs> i was like no talking to anybody else and jealousy is something difficult to work through but it's something that you just have to talk about all the time and you have to discuss why you're feeling certain ways and they have to kind of meet you in the middle of being extra communicative yeah the talking in a relationship is really hard I feel like this past like year or two the amount of talking we've been doing has really strengthened their relationship but it's so vulnerable it's so vulnerable to like put yourself out there and, and say exactly what you're feeling and really have your partner receive you like that I feel like is scarier than actually admitting what you're feeling is having your partner not get defensive which sometimes they do and then you have to work through that communication is such a big part of our relationship People can say it's all of these other things, but I think learning how to talk to each other is the foundational part. And if you if you simply can't talk to your partner, there's a bigger issue there than just not being able to communicate. Yeah, because everybody was like, the leading cause of divorce is money, but it's communication around money. Yeah, Expectations exactly. around money. If they had a conversation around money, which you should, then you can kind of mitigate that risk. Now, if someone is saying something and then they're doing something else, that's a whole different story. Yeah. But I think communication is like the number number one thing in a relationship and learning how to communicate, which is why I feel like our relationship, mine and Denise's relationship is so good is because we have learned how to communicate really effectively with our partners. And so we bring that to our relationship, which I 100% appreciate all the time. Very, very good at working through our feelings. I feel like I've had a lot of relationships in the past with friends that were more passive aggressive than I wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. And there have been a, a lot of relationships where I feel like I'm reaching out and being vulnerable and I'm just not received. Yep. And I definitely don't feel that here. I feel like we can both be in a bad mood and kind of know it's a bad mood and like work through it and talk about it. And it's never something that either of us take personally. 
Yeah. I don't know. It's it's very healthy. It's really nice. And I, I do feel like that is so, so much because of the long-term relationships and all of the things that we had to learn in our personal romantic relationship uh, yeah. itself. Something to lighten up the reader's mood here on (laughs) apart from communication do you have a fun date story or maybe your proposal that you would like to share with oh my god my proposal story is just (laughs) honestly we had talked about getting married and we were going on this trip we went to china on okay so i was really big into groupon back in the day and i we found this china trip that was like 600 dollars round trip flights 14 days all of this stuff and so we that went, is an incredible deal by the way two, two weeks for 600 dollars. and literally like the food the hotel the transportation we took flights within china and it was all paid for it was wow ridiculous i think it was like government subsidized because they were trying to get more people but anyways we go to china we <laughs> sorry <laughs> i know so <laughs> cracks me the fuck up. and i didn't think he was going to propose people told me that he was going to propose while we were there we went to a jade factory and the jade there was beautiful and they had a ton of rings and i kind of got swept up in the moment and i was like i'm gonna pick my engagement ring here and i put it out together and i was like okay he's gonna engage in the future right (laughs) so then it's our last year we were in shanghai we had run out of money we were i was so hungry because our credit cards weren't working in china there's like a vpn ish not a vpn but they like block all the major sites so you can't go on google you can't go on facebook instagram any of the sites unless you get a vpn which we didn't because we didn't believe them so we were like no contact with the outside world for two weeks while we were there and so we didn't have any money and except our credit card that worked at some places. And he really wanted to go see this building. And I can't remember right now what it's called, but it's like the third largest building in the world is in Shanghai. And so I love that me and your husband both took you to places that are tall. I know. As I'm part like, of our things we like to do with you. I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So we get up there and I'm like, okay, can we go get some food? Like I'm hungry. And he's like, no, 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 no. Let's take a picture right here. And I was like, I don't want to take a picture, but it was beautiful. It was like right after sunset. So it was like that dusk type stuff. Mm, and the whole yeah. city was lit up and it was very beautiful. And so he was like, I want someone to take a picture of us. I told him no, but then he finally got convinced someone and then he proposed. And I was so uncomfortable because I don't like people staring at me. And so I was like, get up, get up, yes, 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 yes. And then he proposed and then he took me to get dumplings and I said yes. Nice. <laughs> you said yes after the food. I was like, sure. Before the food, you were like, no. <laughs> exactly. I was hangry. I was like, you're going to propose to me on an empty stomach, dude? Like, um, and now he always keeps me fed, so... Yeah, I mean, that is the number one requirement, I feel like, in any relationship. What about you? What's your top story for you? I guess we have, like, our first three dates were very romantic and intense. So our first date, when we were first meeting each other, because, again, we had only spoken over text, we met in Central Park, very New York, stereotypical Mm rom-com setting. And we met, we ended up spending, like, I don't know, like six to eight hours together on our first date, just talking about everything. And it was, like, kind of cute. We, like, weren't touching or anything. And then I remember the first time my partner kissed me, and it was really sweet. We 
were sitting and watching this baseball game, not watching it, like we were just sitting on a bench and there was a baseball field in front of us and we were just, you know, being awkward. This is the first time I'm meeting this person. And he kissed my cheek and I felt myself like turn into a lobster. I felt the burn in my face. And I just like turned around and then we kissed. It was really cute though, because I have always been the kind of person to kiss boys first. I hated when boys tried to kiss me. I hated it. I wanted to be the one to make the move. So I had always been the first one to make the move. And here I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be the first one to make the move. And so I had never had someone like go in for a kiss by kissing my cheek first. That is so interesting that you are the one to make the move. I would not. Yeah. Really? I never made any moves. You never made the move? I was putting signals, but I would never go in for the kiss. I was like, I always found it really unattractive if a guy couldn't like kiss me, you know? (laughs) It's aggressive. I didn't want to be kissed. I wanted to kiss. That's so funny. Every single one of my kisses I did first. I'm proud of you. And I kissed like like a lot of people as a teenager. It was like nonstop. I was like a maniac, but... (laughs) My best friend and I in high school, we kept a journal together. Oh, same. Yeah. I had like a list of like all the boys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was feral. (laughs) I think I kissed like four Brandons and I was like, what's up with Brandons, dude? (laughs) Yeah, you can't do that in in the Mediterranean. Everyone has a very unique thing. So I was really determined to like have that be my, I guess, first initiated kiss. I'm sure I had other ones in the past, but I just very intrinsically remember being the first one to kiss people all the time. So then he walked me to the train and on our walk to the train, he, we were kissing and he like knocked me against the church wall. (laughs) And we were like making out in the street really heavy. And then I got on the train and went home. And then our second date, we met up in Bryant Park. Again, public spaces, guys. Still, still at the end of the day, a stranger. And I couldn't go out drinking. And I hate dinner as a first date. So it was very casual, like, let's spend time together, meet up, have a snack sort of kind of dates for me. And it was so funny moving back to the States because I could drink abroad, but drinking here was not an option for three years. (laughs) You can pay rent and everything, but no alcohol. (laughs) No alcohol, which was just very strange. And that's so funny that I went through three years of my relationship, like stone cold sober. We met up in Bryant Park, again, like another like six to eight hour date, like just couldn't stop talking to each other. And then we had like a very magical kiss in Times Square. Yes, very cheesy, but it was like very rom-com romantic. And I'm a huge romance nerd, so like it was perfect for me. I was like, oh my God, I got dipped in Times Square. (laughs) Then again, went home. And then on our third date, met up with him and we went to his parents' house. His parents were out and he showed me like the school he went to when he grew up and we, you know spent the night together and spent the weekend together and it was very romantic they're like three very romantic dates that is really romantic isn't that romantic to show me like the school he went to on our third date yeah i mean we hooked up in the school because it was right down the street (laughs) from us but (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) no that is super cute i feel like i always am envious of people who like meet these random strangers and then like it's never like that though it was definitely like an accidental thing and it's just like because of who we are and why we ended up staying together is because of like both of us enjoying that I guess I'm still shook that you made the moves like I still can't not come off as the person who makes the move I don't know I think I just never have thought about it but uh, most women that I have talked to say that they want the man to make the move or the person that they're I don't want the with. man to make the move. So I really didn't like men as a young gal. Yeah. And I think it's just like abusive stepdads, moms a lot of divorces. Like I just like had a very tinted view of men. And so like giving up the power to like have them kiss me when they want to. 
And I know you're yeah. putting out signals and stuff and you're wanting it, but like, it, I don't know, I felt more powerful in my dynamics being the one to kiss first. No, I think right now, like if I were to be miraculously be single, <laughs> I feel like I would want that. But when so much of my worth was tied to how much men liked me when I was like 14, 15, 16, because yeah. again, with like toxic parent relationships, put it as like a token, like, oh my God, yeah. these guys want to kiss me, but like they want to kiss everyone. Like, chill. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> they want to kiss everybody. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. They would kiss the doorknob if they could. Literally, <laughs> if the doorknob grew lit, and tits and a vagina they would be kissing that doorknob literally oh my god I was thinking about our first kiss I was 14 don't tell everyone about that (laughs) what oh yeah so um when we were playing overcooked I turned him over and she just kissed me I don't know (laughs) okay your 14 year old kiss my 14 year old kiss my parents were out I don't know they were like happy my parents like left sometimes and left us with a grandma and my grandma was like hard of hearing and she was sleeping and so I started sneaking out of my house when I was like 13 I was like I don't know what I was doing I was like hanging out at parks with people not doing anything bad but I don't know my parents I was always grounded and never could go outside so I was like I'm gonna sneak out okay So I had been texting him and I snuck out and I went to meet him with my friend. Like I had a friend spend the night with (laughs) me. So we snuck out together and then we went to like some guy around the corner's house and my husband was there and we were like talking and all of a sudden like we were all talking and then he like was like hey let's go talk over here and then he like pushed me up against the car and kissed me and I was like that's hot excuse me it was very hot it was like 2 2 a.m and then Mm. like we kissed and then I couldn't get back into my house and luckily like my grandma was like hard of hearing because I just like garage code and like got into the house eventually that also started my streak of never being home at night I was always out I don't know what I was doing I always had to sneak out I've never had those experiences never had to sneak out oh yeah I I tried to sneak out once and it ran through the kitchen fell down and the only thing my mom said was wear better shoes and then I left like sneaking out was I was allowed to stay out however late I wanted I was allowed to do anything but it's not that I was allowed guys it's that I was neglected yeah so let's let's keep that in mind I didn't have a cool teenagehood I was just no one cared about me I wouldn't say neglected, more of like overbearing, but my brothers could do whatever they wanted. But for me, it was like I needed to be home. I could never like I was grounded all the time. Like I don't remember a time in my childhood was where I wasn't allowed to go outside. But I'm really thankful for that time because that's where I fell in love with reading because I couldn't mm. do anything else. So I just read I would I could go to the library and I just read all the time so that's nice and spending so much time by yourself you get to create stories and I feel like that's why I'm a great writer today because I had to spend most my childhood alone I would say I spent most of my childhood alone too and you definitely start to like have imaginary scenarios friends and all of these things keeping you company yeah I told someone the other day that I had imaginary friends and sometimes people react and they're like oh my god what was wrong with you but yeah she was like oh that's why you're a writer Uh, most people who have imaginary friends growing up will become creatives because they're already creating stories and people in their head that's cute and i was like 
That is such a nice thing to say. It's not a mental illness. It's a career. <laughs> it's creative. <laughs> okay, um, we do have to wrap up for today only because I have to go to therapy. We can recall back. Mental health. <laughs> but I have to take a quick therapy break. I hope you guys all enjoyed how we met our significant others. If you if- have any other juicier questions you'd like us to answer, be sure to DM us on Instagram at Katie Between the Sheets. Or add us on Twitter at Katie in the Sheets. Okay, bye.